0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Last Coffeehouse. We are talking about the best of literature, the 100 best works of literature. This is Brave New World, written by Aldous Huxley, published in 1932, it Is anybody else's life being apocalyptically impacted by this coronavirus nonsense. So why not dive right into a dystopian novel set in a beautiful futuristic world? He actually wrote, Huxley wrote this in France in about four months. He nailed this thing. And it's considered by most to be amongst the greatest works of literature. For anybody who doesn't know, this is actually the very first number one work of literature, great work of literature, that I ever read. I was taking a Latin roots class, and prior to this, I'd read, what was it? It was Dean Kuntz. Did I bring that up before? that I started with Dean Kuntz? I was like, oh yeah, fantasy and horror and stuff, whatever. And then I read this, and my mind was blown, and that started me on a journey. Started me on a journey, let me tell Hell yeah. So, how does this book? What is this book about? How's it work? What's going on here? It is a world that is built into a scientific hierarchy. So they have mastered reproductive and manipulative technology. They do things like dream indoctrination and dream learning. They have other methods of conditioning, like using this thing called soma. It's a happiness-inducing in- drug. And the title actually comes from a quote in *The Tempest*. This is the quote from *The Tempest*. Oh, wonder how many goodly creatures are there. Here, how beauteous mankind is, O oh brave new world that has such people in it! Where would we be without Shakespeare? I mean, seriously, how many quotes and all sorts of other stuff come from the man himself, Bill Shakespeare? How many? So, in the world of Brave New World, the Brave New World itself, it's supposed to be London just after like 2500. They count their years in AF. <laughs> So not that, but after Ford. So before Ford and after Ford. We follow in this story Bernard primarily, but there's not really a strict protagonist in where you have a view of the protagonist and you're following the protagonist and it has like the deep psychology of that protagonist or anything like that. We mostly follow Bernard though, who's a tad diminutive and he's a little resentful of it. There's some kind of an accident when he was being produced related to alcohol that led to his stature. He's a psychologist, so he understands The indoctrination. He sees how the how the sausage is made, and so that could be partially what leads to his disillusionment of the process. He eventually goes on a holiday. The book starts out with broad descriptions of kind of the scientific basis for this new world, and it's really interesting. I really like this part of the book. But he goes on a holiday with Lenina. The relationships in this you don't have close monogamous relationships. You just have this kind of open thing where it's supposed to be do whatever you want, but it, it ends up being really empty but he takes a woman lenina they go to a savage reservation of course that's not a politically correct (laughs) description for that but that's what they call it in the book it's outside the state so it's outside the jurisdiction of or at least outside the direct influence of the state as it is The world state or whatever it's called in this. But they go to this reservation and there he meets Linda and her son John. John is ostracized in his community on the reservation because he's really into reading. She only has two books. Linda only has two books, Scientific Manual and The Complete Works of Shakespeare. So Bernard brings Linda and John back, being, you know, feeling the disillusionment that he feels with the world state. He brings the two back and he becomes somewhat of a celebrity, but really is garnering the the attention of the powers that be. And the savage himself, John, becomes a celebrity in this world now. And then Bernard and his friend Helmholtz and the savage are eventually are going to be exiled for non-conforming behavior. But John the savage does not, plain doesn't fit into this world. And he's questioning it all over the place. And he uses a lot of the language of Shakespeare, you know, a lot of the quotes from Shakespeare and the ideas of Shakespeare about what romance should be and other ideas and uses those. As criticisms of the world that he's in now. Eventually, John moves to this abandoned place in the outskirts, but he's repeatedly harassed by news reporters who come to find out what he's doing and look at him, you know, like at a zoo, an animal in some glass and look at him in that way. Eventually it doesn't end well. So that's, that's the basic story of Brave New World. And I've got some quotes. I'm gonna do some quotes and then I'll go to the analysis. So that you get a good, quality Idea of what the pros and the ideas are like in this book, and then you can see how accurate my analysis is. Of course, it's perfectly accurate. Don't worry about that. Quote A squat gray building of only 34 stories, over the main entrance, the word Central London Hatchery and Conditioning Center, and in a shield, the world state's motto, Community Identity Stability. End quote. That is the opening of the book, and the motto there, Community Identity Stability. It's really interesting. <laughs> it's a kind of motto that that would be very appealing to a lot of the people who casted votes in the most recent presidential primary. Quote, But a Bokanovskified egg will bud, will proliferate, will divide from 8 to 96 buds and every bud will grow into a perfectly formed embryo and every embryo into a full-sized adult making 96 human beings grow where only one grew before. Progress. End quote. So that's describing the process and how it works. There's a thing called a social predestination room. Quote, Told them of the growing embryo on on it's better peritoneum made them taste the rich blood surrogate on which it fed explained why it had to be stimulated with placentin and thyroxin told them of the corpus luteum extract showed them the jets through which at every twelfth meter from 0 to 2040 it was automatically injected spoke of those gradually increasing doses of pituitary administered during the first 96 meters of their course end quote it's really establishing this mechanistic view on what a human being is and how they need to be produced and treated quote our Ford or our Freud as for some inscrutable reason he chose to call himself whenever he spoke of psychological matters our Freud had been the first to reveal the appalling dangers of family life the world was full of fathers was therefore full of misery full of mothers therefore of every kind of perversion from sadism to chastity full of brothers sisters uncles aunts full of madness and suicide End quote. really interesting demonization of family in this as through the mouth of the distant utopian government. Of course, you can find a lot of this (laughs) anti-family talk in some of the New Testament, interestingly. Quote, accompanied by a campaign against the past, by the closing of museums, the blowing up of historical monuments. Luckily, most of them had already been destroyed during the Nine Years' War by the suppression of all books published before AF-150, end quote. So the method that was used to create this current dystopia, of course, a lot of them would call it a utopia. And this is closer to utopia than a lot of the other novels like this that we'll read. Or would read. Quote, words can be like x-rays if you use them properly. They'll go through anything. You read and you're pierced. That's one of the things I try to teach my students how to write piercingly, end quote. I just like that sentiment. That's how I like to write piercingly. Quote, violent passion surrogate. Regularly once a month, we flood the whole system with an adrenaline. It's a complete psychological equivalent of fear and rage, all the tonic effects of murdering Desdemona and being murdered by a fellow without any of the inconveniences. End quote. What a fascinating idea. <laughs> to have all the worst things just be flushed through the system, to get it out all the fear and rage that one could feel, just flush it in, give you your moment of feeling that, and then try to get you back to the SOMA to feel happy again. Quote, not to mention the right to grow old and ugly and impotent, the right to have syphilis and cancer, the right to have too little to eat, the right to be lousy, the right to live in constant apprehension of what may happen tomorrow, the right to catch typhoid, the right to be tortured by unspeakable pains of every kind. There was a long silence. I claim them all, said the savage at last. Mustafa Mon shrugged his shoulders. You're welcome, he said. Quote, there were ash trees near the lighthouse, and for arrow shafts, a whole copse full of beautifully straight hazel saplings. He began by felling a young ash, cut out six feet of unbranched stem, stripped off the bark, and, paring by paring, shaved away the white wood as old Mitsima had taught him, until he had a stave of his own height, stiff at the thickened center, lively and quick at the slender tips. End quote. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful one. A lot of the other pros I'm not too impressed. Impressed with when it comes to Huxley's just plain writing style. But that little chunk right there, I just, I love it. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's put together well. It has a nice musicality to it. I love it a lot. What's my analysis of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley? Like I said, it's the first major work of literature I ever read. It has less memorable and less complex characters than a lot of the other books that we'll read. There could have been more to the characters, but he probably emphasized just the idea of. The world and the dystopia. But there's something in a lot of these books, there are characters that just stand out more in these kinds of books. I really enjoyed the early discussion of the structure of the world, and it seemed like there was a long period in the beginning where they were just walking through all the processes that were used to create people and structure the society around. And I just I enjoyed that part of it quite a bit. Once I get down the whole macro story, I actually do like the way it was structured and the way it worked. It seemed to make sense, it's not too long. So it makes sense in that way like they talked about the the, the hierarchy the alphas the betas the epsilons and all the sciency stuff in the beginning which i couldn't say one or another whether it's gibberish or not <laughs> but it sounded interesting the middle of it dragged on a little bit i remember just kind of checking out for a minute there and the shakespeare stuff was a little overdone i do like it that he used the language of shakespeare to define relationships in the world state and that was a source of him having problems with it i i mean that's really interesting on its own it's a kind of a complex way of working that in however it was it seemed a little overdone like just overstuffed with shakespeare as you went along and leaned on it a little too much much. And of course, even though now we would take the excessive pleasure dystopia at face value, it's something that we've seen now in multiple ways. We just take it for granted. It really was a unique tack on this kind of a genre at the time. Everybody's going to compare it to 1984. It's like 1984 is a terminus of displeasure, whereas Brave New World is a terminus of pleasure. That if you have either one of those things to the extreme, it won't be sufficient to slake various humans human thirst So, I think they do some pretty different things. I think 1984, and it's pretty easy to say, it's not even that I just necessarily think, but 1984 has so many markers and ideas that come out of it that have been so useful historically throughout the 20th century and into the 21st century for being a warning, alarm bells on the way that people are manipulated by powerful people or powerful forces. So, it's something, and it's obviously something that's going to come along as we go up the list of the greatest works. Literature, But I think Brave New World is a really important perspective on this whole idea that's suggesting that even if we get to a point where we could just inject pleasure into everybody all the time, and we stripped away all the social norms and all of the expectations on people and all of those things, that it's not necessarily going to be a world we want to live in. That it's not necessarily going to be comfortable or going to jive with what makes us human or what makes us, or what gives us meaning in general. And there won't be anything left after that so i think it really has an important perspective and it was a lot of fun to read and like i said it's always going to be that special first book that opened my mind (laughs) that suggested that a book can be more than just oh my gosh there's a killer on the loose you know so it was it was a lot of fun to read that was brave new world that was alice huxley we're going to keep it going right along i hope all is well i'll see you on the next one this is the last coffee house okay bye